Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And from New York to Los Angeles, we've got you covered. Now, Linda, something happened in the news this week uh, with respect to Gloria Steinem and Madam, um, sorry, Madeline Albright about not voting for women. Let's well, get right to it. Yeah, they want, they want all the young women who are, are standing behind Bernie. Uh, to uh, change their mind and stand behind Hillary. And as Madeleine Albright said, um, there's a special place in hell for women that don't stand behind a woman. So what do you think about that? See, I'm going to go on record saying I vote for the best candidate, whether they have a penis or not. I mean, that to me is, I have a problem with that. I'm not going to vote for somebody just because she has ovaries. Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't say that I disagree, but I don't know when we're ever going to have the opportunity in, in the near future to have another woman that's as close to it as Hillary is. Um, I would love to see a woman in the, in, you know, in, in that position. We've never had one. I think it's time. I think it's long overdue. And the men have done such a, an outstanding job. I mean, give us a shot at it, huh? <laughs> Well, I'm all for giving us a shot, but I think we should earn it. I mean, if Hillary is not getting, you know, for example, if she's she's split among female voters. You've got older women solidly behind her, but younger women, they're more inclined to support Sanders. Why? What is Hillary not doing? Well, you know, Hillary is, you know, is not, they're saying she's not a fun candidate. There's no surprises. But, you know, I can't see Bernie either, you know, and that's just my own uh, you know, it, it was like when Obama first came on the scene. Uh, you know, he, you know, it was change. Everybody all at an election always wants change, 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 and they're going to go with a candidate that's promising them change. And you, if you remember, you know, six months after Obama was was in in office, I mean, they were all already, you know, up in arms because he isn't making he isn't making the changes that he's promised. So this is an old story. I mean, you know, this is. It gets very tiring, and, you know, it's been going on for, what, six months, and to think that we're going to have to go through November with all of this rhetoric and baloney that's going on just makes me crazy. Well, it does drive me crazy, and it, you know, it drives me as crazy as, you know, thinking, like, I want a woman in power. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I really want a woman in power, but 
I also want us to earn it. And if 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 we're missing part of the vote, you know, then we've got to figure out what we're doing wrong or what we're not identifying, because that's just politics. That's what our, our nation is is based on. We shouldn't vote for somebody just because they're black or male or female. Or yeah, Hispanic well, but, you know, she's certain, of all the, of all the candidates, that you know, both Republican and Democratic, she certainly has, the you know, the best. The, the the best credentials. I mean, she's she's been there. She's done that. She's been Secretary of State. She's been in the political eye for so long. Um, I don't know. They don't like her. They, they, you know, a lot of the people they just they don't like her because of you know the the thing you know the email thing. It's it's basically built on trust, and they they don't think that they can trust her. But look at all of the other candidates. I mean, it, it's. When you look at these debates, you just want to cry. Well, I agree. I mean, you know, if if we're not debating on merit and we're only debating on, you know, certain criteria, that's one thing. Um, but it's frustrating because I feel like this election, I'm voting against people. Like, I really don't want this person, so that person gets my vote uh-huh. by default. That's not... You know, that's you know, I'm not wholeheartedly endorsing anyone at this well, point. Well, but that's usually the way it is for me. You know, who, you know who's the who's the least of the worst. And the right. only time I did not feel like that was when I was voting uh, when I was voting for Michael Bloomberg as mayor in New York. He did such a great job, and I liked him so much that it was a pleasure to go and stand in line to vote for him. There was no question. Uh, you know, so many other times it's like again the the best of the worst, and and it, that you know it's 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 sad but true. Yeah, I would have a hard time coming out publicly for Hillary, though. You know, she I will say that, you know, she hasn't earned my vote. Like, that's the problem, you know, but nobody has earned my vote. It's not just a female thing. You know, this Donald Trump thing is is a joke. It's crazy. Um, So, you know, it's it's like a circus. And I think, you know, after after New Hampshire, then they which is, you know, tonight they will, you know, kind of sift them through and other others will you know uh, start to drop off um but i don't know i get that's not what the show is about but i just had to you know ask your opinion because you know just because you're a woman do you have to stand behind a woman no i mean maybe you know do men i mean maybe men think differently and they're going to vote for a man to stand behind a man and that's fine that's the prerogative but you know if you're asking me what i would i vote you know, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. That's part of the problem, too. So I can't tell you, you know, that I would I would put aside my other prejudices, if you will. And is the tipping point going to be she's a female? You know, that may very well be the tipping point for me. But right now, she hasn't really reached out. And I don't know what they call younger voters, if younger is 30, 40, or 20. No, younger, younger. You know, in the, the 20-somethings are... are uh, the women are, <laughs> and so one. I read one article. It said the twenty-somethings are are hanging out with Bernie because <laughs> the young guys are hanging out with Bernie, and that's what they want to do: go out and meet the young guys. Well, yeah, I would, I would see that. I mean, that that you know, it's sad. That's that that that's the case of our political nation. You know, that we're going to be more interested in meeting men. But, you know, Linda, I have always thought women are their own worst enemy, and you know. Part of the reason I don't think we've had a woman in positions of power anywhere is because there is so much undercutting by 
women to other women. I saw it in corporate America. You know, there wasn't any solidarity. There wasn't any, you know, other groups of people stick together. Women rip each other to shreds behind their backs. It's part of part of it is our own fault. And I'm just going to go on record saying that. You know, any success I've had in my life, Linda, there's always been women in my sphere of influence to knock me down versus saying, we're behind you 100%, go, baby, go. And maybe the men in my life don't support me, and I don't know about it, but they don't say it. But but women make a big deal about, you know, being yeah. finicky and supporting each other. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, any success that I had uh, in business, certainly uh, it came from men as well. So, uh, you know, I was the only woman and, I, you know, I love that. I love to be in that position, but the support and the mentorship and everything that I got was, was definitely uh, not all men, but the men that counted. It's, it's really important that you, that you know uh, where to put your loyalty and where you stand behind because that makes a very big difference as you move along. Well, it does. It does make a difference as you move along. And you're going to love this segue because when we talk about loyalty, there is nothing more loyal than our little canine companions. Now, my dogs back me 100% right or wrong. Um, no matter what I do, they love me adoringly. You know, of course, I don't abuse them, so they're not going to love me for that. But one of the things I'm really excited about today, Linda, is to talk to William Stillman because he's not only he's well known in the autism community, he's he's well known as a psychic, but he wrote a book about conversations with dogs. A psychic reveals what our canine companions have to say. Now, you got to talk about Lucy because Lucy is your baby. Oh, she well, you know, I'm, I don't have children, uh, human children. <laughs> So Lucy is definitely my little uh, canine baby, and we are, I mean, we're bonded like you wouldn't believe. I mean, we both suffer from separation anxiety, which is not a good thing. But, you know, when we're not together, um, (laughs) she sits by the door and waits, and I'm unhappy, so that's not good. No, but I mean, it's true. And I will go on record saying that the death of my two dogs, I had them for 15 years, Misty and Smokey, they were inverse prints of each other. One was black and white, one was white and black, both Tibetan terriers, um, both the loves of my life. I took the their death harder than I did the divorce of my decade-long marriage. Yeah, no. I mean, they're they're part of our family. I mean, you, you you they spend so much time with them, and you know they they're like you said they're there with you no matter what, no matter what you do. They come back. They love you. It's unconditional, and you know I guess that's why there's so so darn many dogs. I mean, in New York City, we're inundated with with them. Every time you go out, it's uh, you meet a million dogs, which is fun. Well, and there's so many different things uh, out there in the media that I was reading on today's show, um, you know, about like our like spirit animals, you know, our, our canyon companions, you know, when they go over the bridge, you know, after they pass, like, where yeah. do they go? Where do these spirit yeah. goes? Like, there's so many things that I want to ask uh, Bill Stillman, because he's, you know, given this a lot of thought. He's a psychic. He's got a lot of uh, information. His book is called Conversations with Dogs. A psychic reveals what our canine companions have have to say and how you can talk to them too now coming up after the break we are going to meet with william stillman you can check him out on his website if you're listening on the computer william w-i-l-l-i-a-m stillman.com it's always fun to have people's websites up linda when you're listening to him talk 
Absolutely, yeah, a lot of good information. Now, what would you say that Lucy has brought most into your life? I know we only have a minute to go, but what is the biggest thing Lucy's brought to you since you got her? An open heart. An open heart. Yep. Wow. You know, I would do things for Lucy that I probably wouldn't do for anybody, anybody <laughs> or anything on the planet. So, you know, she, whatever she does, it's okay. My, my, she just opened up my heart, and that's, that's a biggie. That is a biggie. Okay, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. This is Powered Up Talk Radio. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about Wilman's talk with William Still. Oh, it's killing me. There's too many L's. William Stillman. It's like a tongue twister. We're going to talk about conversations with dogs. We're going to talk about his books and his psychic experience and um, just it's it's such a cool thing. We've never had like pets plus psychic before, Linda. I'm so excited. I am too. We love our pets. We do. More after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And as promised, we're bringing to you William Stillman. Now, we're going to call him Bill. We just had a discussion about his name. Great name. He is an award-winning author of Autism and the God Connection book trilogy. That means there's three of them about the spiritual giftedness in many people with autism. Now, 
the dog book that he wrote is the one I want to talk about most. But before we get to that, Bill, you have worked professionally as a psychic and a spiritual counselor. I want to know what a spiritual counselor is. And I want to know how does one go from you're a Pennsylvania guy to being a spiritual counselor? Because I could see that in Southern California, but Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, hmm, not so much. Well, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is a pretty conservative area, so it's taken me a while to sort of cultivate this reputation. But I think um, one of the things that I like to do with my clients is to identify their gifts and talents and then to work with them to create a blueprint for their trajectory moving forward, applying those gifts and talents and what it is that they have to contribute that is of value and will be respected and appreciated by other people. And so when folks are open to doing that and they actually put that into motion and they begin to engage in the act of becoming, everything around them also transforms such that when they come back to me, there is this glow about them. Um, their, their lives have become improved versions of what it had been previously. And that is extraordinarily um, rewarding for me um, as that counselor. Well, now, how do you get to this point? You know, you're from Pennsylvania. I'm from Buffalo. I know Pennsylvania really well. It, you just don't pop out one day and become a spiritual counselor. And you don't just pop out one day and become a psychic. How old were you when you first recognized there was something different about you from what traditional education uh, teaches us as skills? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, First of all, I want to be really clear in communicating that my greatest desire is to work through grace and humility, and I will not be glorified for who I am or what I do. I firmly believe that we all have gifts and talents, and those gifts and talents dictate oftentimes what we do for um, our vocation or our avocation, but we also all have spiritual gifts and talents that are hardwired into us as our birthright. And the the wonderful thing about being human is they're going to manifest differently in you than they do in me because they're being filtered through this channel that is uniquely Sandra. So to answer your question, I was um, an exquisitely, painfully sensitive little boy. And uh, because I was unusual, I became the target of bullying uh, for about seven to eight years on virtually a daily basis. And that sensitivity got blocked up. So I was about 40 years old when I made a conscious and deliberate effort to reclaim that sensitivity and to awaken those gifts and talents that within me had gone dormant and were suppressed. Um, Bill, it's Linda. How do you work with your clients? Um, Does it like, um, when you're a psychic, so are you working with guides? Are you channeling? Are you doing kind of an astrology combo? We've had so many guests um, on the show, and they all kind of have a different way that they work with people. Yes, that's a great question, Linda. Um, I use no devices of any kind. I uh, say a prayer with each client, and then I turn it over to my team. I am working with a group of soul energies, as you uh, recognized, spirit guides. And working with them is like being the interpreter in translating a foreign language in which I've become reasonably fluent. Mm. It's like watching CNN. 
And so when you watch CNN, you're mostly distracted by the news anchors and the news stories. But then at the bottom of the screen, there's this continuous scrolling ticker that's the news feed. And sometimes you you catch it, and sometimes you have to wait until it comes back around to catch the rest of it. That's them. And so I'm having to pay attention to two things at once, and I'm having to have two conversations at once. One is verbal with the client, and one is mental with my guides. And they're feeding me information in the form of pictures, movies, words, phrases, um, occasionally names. They'll make me feel things physically, and they'll make me smell and taste things. And so in all the years of doing this, I've learned to say what I see. And they're showing me things within the frame of reference that I would know to recognize because I've lived it or I've been exposed to it. Do they ever just bug you? Like if you ignore them, you know, do they just keep bugging you? Like if you say something to a client that's not right, do they go like, Bill, come on. You know, I said this or like hit you with like five pictures to get you to make the point. Like how do they, are they polite and kind or are they like forceful or? No. Well, uh, there are times when it feels like I've got an entire Super Bowl stadium full (laughs) of spirit energy that is calling to me at such a high frequency. So I have felt myself become very um, impatient at times because people don't have instant recall. And so they're struggling to make a connection, and they're saying, now, did my mother's father drive a blue pickup? And my team is saying, absolutely, 100%, she knows exactly what you're talking about. Don't you let this go because it's going to lead to something bigger. So they have been, I'll say, gently persistent. (laughs) But they want what's best for me also. I mean, they want me to be as authentic as possible. And they, they just want for everybody to be successful. Do you have the ability, when you're not working with a client, but just being Bill, um, to turn it off? Um, because I, I've, I've talked to a, a lot of people, and they say sometimes the energy, you know, because cause when you're that, um, I guess that sensitive, uh, you can just be out on the street, and it actually hurts from all the, the vibration and negative energy that's coming from, from people that you don't want it to come from. Yeah, that's a really great question, Linda. I am uh, very much a loner. I require a lot of time and solitude. I don't navigate airports or malls very well at all uh, because I, I see a lot of bad behavior and misconduct, and it, it really hurts me. Um, having said that, I think it is imperative, if you're doing this work, to turn it off. You cannot be turned on 24-7 because you'll make yourself sick. Um, on the levels of, you know, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. Um, And so I think it's very important for me to deliberately enter into uh, a state of prayer and meditation prior to doing private work or prior to doing group events, um, and then flip that switch. Mm. Yeah, no, it, 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 uh, you know, I don't have that. Sometimes I can, I can feel something from somebody, uh, I'm a pretty good judge of character, but it's... You have it with your dog, Linda. I have it with my dog. Continue. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't think I've had any uh, better communication with any human than I do with my dog, for sure. Right, and, and I think what you'll find is when you communicate with, was it Lucy, did you say? Yes. Mm-hmm. When you communicate with her, you don't need to use words. No, just, you just, that, just the look, just the intention. And the emotion of yeah. what it is you're communicating and feeling, that's what they'll pick up on. Yeah. Right. And I mean, uh, they say sometimes when you're looking, when a dog is looking into your eyes, it, it's like, it's like a doggy hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you'll tell us more about that. You know, Sandra and I are both, you know, doggy cuckoo. <laughs> well, and Bill, I got a question for you and this is just me being me, but like, let's say you're like on a date or you're like visiting with your mom or dad or brother and sister. Does anything just pop into your head or like your best friend, you know, you know, like, does, does it just, do they ever just pop in to give you things? And if so, what do you do with them? Um, I will say that there are times when if I'm engaged in a conversation with someone and it is a friend um, or it is an acquaintance and we're having a great conversation, sometimes that portal just opens up and things start to flow forth. And it's always good stuff. So I I don't hesitate in sharing it in a way that is intended to be encouraging and inspiring. Got just it. Happened, so they're not just happened unwelcome. a couple of hours ago, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I, I was and, on the phone with someone, yeah. And so do you just, like, you're talking to him, like, hey, Bill, how's it going? You know, we watched the Super Bowl yesterday. Oh, by the way, you know, your spirit guide says this. Like, does it pop uh, no, through? No, like, it, I get all excited. Yeah, no, it's it would be relevant or germane to the topic of discussion, yeah. And it would be probably more about, oh... Uh, helping someone to, again, move forward, employing what it is that they have to contribute. Do you you pick up on illnesses as well? Uh, I, as a general rule, don't get information about things that would be considered, uh, you know, tragedies or setbacks. Mm -hmm. But what I will do for someone is scan their body and give them a heads up about any areas that I'm picking up that they should be mindful of. I mean, what about I've caught, yourself? I've caught, Can you look I've in caught, the mirror and do that? I've caught lumps in women's breasts that they didn't know they had, and and diabetes in people that didn't know they had it. Um, I I don't do it for myself only because I don't. It just never occurred to me, and I don't feel like I need it. Oh, okay. Because it would be kind of handy to look in the mirror and go, oh, I need a, a lung scan or something. You know, is it is it that precise or do you just get a feeling like maybe you should have this checked out? Like, how does that how does it come through to you? Well, you have to remember, it doesn't come from me. It comes through me. And um, it's sort of like in biology class, looking at that dummy of the man that is cut open and you can remove his organs. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's kind of like what it's like. And my guides just direct me to that area. And then I know to ask about it. That is really cool. Okay, I'm going to take us to commercial break. And when we get uh, back from the break, we're going to talk about our canine companions and how best we can communicate with them and what they have to say. We're visiting today with the autism whisperer and psychic visionary and author of the dog book, William Stillman. You can find out more about him at williamstillman.com. You can find him on Facebook and you can follow him there and get his daily inspirational quote, which is kind of cool. I think it's neat. 
when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about our relationships with our dogs. And I'm curious to know, what are our dogs? Where do they go after they die? And how do they attach to us? More after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show. Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. Super Bowl will air in 180 countries. And with that infamous coin toss for one day, most people will toss out their New Year's resolutions to lose weight. The Super Bowl accounts for 7% of an entire year of chicken wing sales. 48 million Americans will opt for having food delivered, with pizza franchises seeing their sales double on game day. Domino's alone looks forward to selling over 11 million pizzas on Super Bowl Sunday. What's a word for food that contains unknown ingredients? Acompucky. Americans will eat over 100 million pounds of guacamole and 8 million pounds of tortilla chips on game day. What's a word for those folks who call in sick the morning after a little too much indulgence? Arfarfanoffs. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls. Hi, ladies. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And as promised, we are visiting with William Stillman today. Now, we're going to talk about pets. And I got to tell you guys, at my high, I had eight dogs. I do live on a ranch, so I've got lots of room for everybody. But, Bill, I will tell you, I have had a client give me a dog, Robert Culp. You know, I ended up with Robert Culp's dog. I've ended up with a dog that walked out of the woods, came up my eyeball, driveway with her eyeball all crunched because she had got bitten in the head. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a vet, but she just walked. I can't tell you how many dogs have walked up to my door. And I'm rural. It's not like... You know, there's not a lot of other options to walk around. They come right up my driveway. And I want to know, first off the bat, why do dogs attach to us? When I've gone to get my dogs from the rescue, I wait till the dog comes over, put its paw on my knee, put its head on my leg. That's the dog I take home. Um, 
they have always chosen me. So I want to know from you, how does a dog choose a person? Correct. Well, you're right. They do pick us. Here's the thing to understand about animals and not just dogs. They exist in a perpetual state of meditation for living in solitude for the most part. They they don't speak a language, at least not one that, that we would understand. Um, they are constantly connected to the source. And so they are moment by moment being informed and supported by that source. Uh, not unlike humans who deliberately enter into protracted states of solitude. The nun, the monk, the yogi, the priest, the rabbi, the guru, and so on. And they do that in order to strengthen their association with the higher power. Well, the animals are already in it. Um, Is and that so, source our source? Like the yeah, source? Yeah, same thing. Yep, okay. same source. Same thing. Same thing. And so um, they are very clearly being guided and directed, and they see the big picture. They understand their role, um, who it is that they're expected to connect with, and they have very uh, definitive um, stations in, in a, any given household. Okay, so I get that part, and I get the communication thing. And I had two Tibetan terriers, which are the dogs of the monks, you know, and they're very much hand signals. They don't bark. It's, they're really cool dogs to have if you have ever the opportunity to have them in your household, in your life. So where do they go, Bill? Like, I've had to to bury, I don't know, probably 15 dogs in my lifetime. And some of them I've have cremated and they're still in my bedroom, which I know is gross, but they're in their urns and I love their ashes. And, um, maybe I don't have the ability to separate from them <laughs> because of that, but where do they go? Are well, they always with us? Cause I feel like Misty and Smokey are always with me and they sometimes come through my other dogs. Have I lost my mind? Yeah. I don't think that, any of our loved ones are around us 24-7, to be honest with you. I think that if that were true, that could really be a distracting pre preoccupation for a lot of folks, especially people who are grieving a loss. Um, they go to the same place that we would go to. <laughs> and um, I, uh, when I'm working with uh, human clients, have actually seen uh, pets that come through with some of their loved ones who are on the other side. Um, so I, I think that though in the heavenly realm, there is, um, there's an area that would be separate from where the human souls would interact because I have never seen that braided or blended together, but that's just my take on it based upon what I've been shown. But do they do dogs? I would imagine they do have a soul, and that they're therefore they are reincarnated as well. Uh, I think that is probably an individual choice as to uh, who uh, returns when mm -hmm. and if. But I think that's probably an option. Yeah. So when a, when a client comes to you, um, you do readings. For, for dogs, so they they might have a problem with the dog, or the dog is not eating, or the dog isn't feeling well, and and they they want so, so the dog sits there, and then you you pick up their their energy and tell the owner what they're what they're needing. 
Yeah, um, a, a lot of times dogs will spill the beans in, um, because, you know, they feel very much a sense of entitlement that they are a member of the family. And they oftentimes just want to be recognized for what it is that they contribute of value to the family because they feel taken for granted. Hmm. Well, I don't think that's the case with Lucy. So, I mean, how do you show a dog that they are a member of the family and that they're they're very important? You tell them. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, oh, I tell it. her and, and and I pet her and kiss her and all of the hmm. all of the things. Yeah, all you need to do is, you know, thank you so much. We we love you so much, and you are a valued member of the family, and we yep. appreciate all the things that you do for us. And, you know, be very specific. I have sat with dogs who, uh, you know, when you start talking about them in those ways, uh, the one uh, golden retriever, he sat up, and he puffed out his chest, and his <laughs> posture straightened. And he showed me a sheriff's badge, and I, I knew that he was considered to be the chief of police in that household. That's funny. That's that's great. I wonder um, if there's karma with dogs because you know some dogs come back and they're treated royally in in, in wonderful homes with people that love them, and then uh, there are other dogs that are homeless and on the streets or in these horrible shelters. Yeah. Well, I don't believe in karma as a form of punishment. I don't think that's how it works. Um, I think that probably the dogs that um, are abused and, and thank goodness our, our animals don't live to, uh, lo- as long as humans because, um, you know, some, I think that they have to endure a lot. But um, I think those folks, those folks, those animals <laughs> that um, live uh, abusive existences do so um, as a learning and teaching opportunity, not just for themselves, but for others around them. So, Bill, I want to um, ask you a question about when when dogs cross over, because here's the thing. I've been lucky to be with all my dogs when they have crossed over. And the last dog that crossed over, Bailey, he was our Cavalier King Charles. My two kids and I went to the vet. He was in renal failure, and he was really suffering, so we went to the vet to have him put down. Now, I had him on my lap, and we were all petting and singing to him. We used to sing to him. He loved it. And when he crossed over, I could feel the point at which, like, he became really limp, and Mm -hmm. we all felt really happy. And then Mm -hmm. I remember my one son going, he's gone now, isn't he, Mommy? And I said, you know, because my kids were, like, seven and I think nine at the time. Um, And I think death is a part of life, so I don't think it's something that we should necessarily fear or be creeped out by, which is why I brought my kids to put down my dog, our dog, Um so you're saying like he would have loved that. Like I know he loved it because he was all happy. Um, but that rush of happiness, like is that – was that our elation, his elation? Do you know like what that feeling would have – like what was that? The release. It was the release from the physical body. And I actually applaud you for taking your kids along to experience that because I think it was a good teachable moment for them. But again, going back to the concept of the animals being perpetually connected to source, I have um, on several occasions interacted with dogs who told me they were dying before anybody else knew and before there was any diagnosis. And they accept that. They understand. They don't think in terms of life and death. They 
they think in terms of a perpetual ongoing cycle of life in one form or another. And so when they are uh, very ill or when they are dying and when they're about to put down and oftentimes people agonize over that or second guess themselves about it, they are more concerned about comforting us than they are about their own predicament. That's why a dog that's in pain or a dog that's dying will look up at you with those big big brown eyes and and wag its tail because they are more concerned about you and trying to comfort you. They get it. They understand where they're going. They see it clearly. (laughs) And so, um, you know, isn't that just like an an animal to want to um, defer to ensuring that we are comfortable and we are at peace? Well, and they kind of ramp up their love. Like I think of the day before Misty died, the day, well, I guess the day of, that Misty died, the day Smokey died, and the day uh, Bailey died, they looked at me with those eyeballs, like the extra high beam love eyeballs, and, you know, it was very different their reactions and I was actually crying so hard with Misty my first one because I'd never been through it and I was crying and she put her nose to mine and she goes oh oh like I will never forget that and then when I opened my eyes she had like the happy shiny eyes now she was literally sick as a dog um but her their last moments were to show us how much they loved us and I always thought I imagined that yep no it's real it's real and again, they know exactly what's going on. They know where they're headed and they just desire to make us as comfortable as possible. So are they assigned to us or do they choose us? Uh, like, assigned. do they choose us oh, before they come question. into this world? Or? Uh, that's a really good question. I'm not sure that I have an answer to that. And it might vary depending upon the circumstances. Okay. Well, Let's talk a little bit about your book. I know we've only got a couple uh, minutes to commercial break. Why did you write the dog book? (laughs) Um, Because I wanted to demystify uh, an aspect of um, pet ownership for folks in a way that was maybe unique and also tell people uh, what it is that they could do to strengthen that bond in a way that would be similar. That would really work for both of us. Okay, we're visiting today with William Stillman. He's written the book, The Psychic Reveals What Our Canine Companions Have to Say. He's also well known about autism and the God connection. So if you're listening uh, today and you're wondering about the God connection with respect to autism, he has three books um, about those topics. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to visit more with Bill and we're going to talk about these abilities, the abilities that that we all have and how do we encourage them to grow? Because many of you listening today may go, well, you know what? I think I have something, but never realize that you could cultivate these or grow these. And so I'm really interested to find out how Bill grew his psychic abilities into where he is today. More after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. 
After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. year's Super Bowl will air in 180 countries, and with that infamous coin toss for one day, most people will toss out their New Year's resolutions to lose weight. The Super Bowl accounts for 7% of an entire year of chicken wing sales. 48 million Americans will opt for having food delivered, with pizza franchises seeing their sales double on game day. Domino's alone looks forward to selling over 11 million pizzas on Super Bowl Sunday. What's a word for food that contains unknown ingredients? Acampucky. Americans will eat over 100 million pounds of guacamole and 8 million pounds of tortilla chips on game day. What's a word for those folks who call in sick the morning after a little too much indulgence? Our farfanoffs. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are visiting with Bill Stillman. Now, we talked a lot about dogs. We've talked a lot about, um, you know, this communication that we have with them. And I really want to um, I want to hear about your autism experience, uh, Bill, and I want to hear about so many things from you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we only have one segment left. Um, but the first question I have is, what is the funniest thing a dog has ever said to you? <laughs> The funniest thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I, I can't think of, a, of one funny thing, but what I can tell you is that my experience, and I know I shouldn't generalize, but my experience has been that most small dogs are total divas. <laughs> like, the, like the dogs that have, you know, historically been lap dogs for the, the rich and famous, they tend to have this attitude of, you know, well, I'm not sure that I want to talk to you, so you have to win me over. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, it's Hilarious. very funny. And then uh, when they do open up, then they want to spill the beans on their owner. And oh. the, the interesting thing is that the, the really small dogs have no concept of their size. So they they throw their weight around, not realizing that you know their pipsqueaks in the grand scheme of canines, <laughs> um, it doesn't make a difference to them. They will bark at um, uh, much larger dogs, and they will also um, you know throw shade on uh, <laughs> the humans that they don't care for either. Either. <laughs> So if they don't like their owner, they'll say this guy's like a total jerk. And what do you do with that? 
Well, uh, I, I don't think I've ever had a dog say that they didn't like their owner. Um, but they have shown me the efforts that they have put forth um, given their charge which is, uh, you know, specific station in a household. So maybe the dog is, as I said earlier, like the chief of police or the guardian. Um, the dog is the nanny or the nursemaid to a baby or to an elderly person. Um, one dog that I encountered was a Lapsa Apsa who um, she was she, – her name was Daisy and her head looked like a daisy. I mean she was so funny. And her – um, daddy was alcoholic and mom was severely depressed. And so her role in that household was the comedian. And, wow. you know, it's something that she took very seriously. She wanted to add some levity to the household. Wow. They're amazing. Just amazing. Um, so how did you get, like, how do we, I don't even know how to segue from autism to talking to dogs, but, it's it's all about nonverbal communication, if I'm understanding what I read on your website together. Yeah. How did you get involved with these? I, we know how you got with the dog stuff, but how did you get involved in the autism community? Yeah. Well, excellent segue, because it is all about nonverbal communication. Well, I am myself on the autism spectrum. I have a very high-functioning form of it. And so once I... Uh, came out, so to speak, and made peace about that aspect of my personhood, then I was able to apply all that I knew to be true about myself and all the years that I was growing up and was very unique and very different and was um, uh, harassed for it. I applied that. I made it work for me and that I went on to write, you know, probably close to a dozen books on the topic, just drawing from what I knew to be true about myself. And so I began consulting uh, and once I was welcomed into people's homes and uh, considered one of their family, the autism family, uh, I began to understand that it works with dogs the same way it works with people. As I said earlier, dogs don't communicate in what we would call a language. They communicate through the expression of what we might correlate with emotions or feelings, but they also think in imagery in the same way that most people with autism do and in the same way that I do. So I think in pictures and movies naturally. So it wasn't so great a leap to uh, jump from how I think and how spirit infuses information into me to communicating with these animals that I would meet in the homes of clients with autism. Does it work with cats? It does, but uh, I don't have the opportunity to meet cats that often because not many people walk their cats. <laughs> right. I mean, they're just kind of fussy little things. I'm not a cat person, I, but I'm a super, super dog person. Um, what advice can you give us to encourage us in our practice like Linda meditates I meditate and I you know like I play with my dogs I walk with my dogs I hike with my dogs and you know chicken nugget is a permanent fixture on my dad's hip on the couch um how do we is that how, a dog's name yeah I let my kids name the dog so we have <laughs> Sally Sophie peanut and chicken nugget and chicken nugget looks just like a chicken nugget he's a chihuahua terrier mix he's golden brown like a fat little chicken nugget with a head he's the absolute <laughs> love of the family Oh my goodness, that's so. Fun. 
Yeah, well, I think he likes his name. Yeah. Um, well, you, you've already touched on how to get there, and that is, you know, if you're not accustomed to spending time in solitude with everything turned off <laughs> and no distractions, uh, that's, that's the perfect way to get your head in that space. And to do that on a regular, if not daily basis, is going to help you to open up and begin to uh, allow yourself to be infused with information and pay attention to how you are receiving the information. You know, are you getting it visually in the way that I do? That's clairvoyance. You know, are you getting it through feelings? Are you getting it through things that you are hearing in, in your head? Are you getting it through... Uh, sensations like uh, taste or smell, and that's going to be how uh, your your spiritual gifts get defined in part. And then just be open to uh, spending time with your animals in a way that does not involve distractions and in a way that does not involve spoken language, and see what happens from there. Oh, I feel like I got to go out and play with my dogs. <laughs> Oh, right. That's what we want to do. Oh, um, I, I want have, to touch. Okay. I want to touch just for a second on autistic children. Um, it, I mean, are you? Do you believe that the children that are uh, that are coming into the, into the world now are much different, much more gifted than maybe we were fifty or sixty years ago? Well, I I don't want to polarize anyone to to an extreme by suggesting that it's. It's a plague, or we're talking about savants, and I, I, you know, I also don't want to forget the teens and the adults on the autism spectrum, of right. which there are many. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that we all um, have a purpose and a function. Um, I think oftentimes, not as a general rule, but oftentimes people with different ways of being tend to call out the compassion that may be dormant in people closest to them. Uh, I had so many people contact me to say, you know, I'm a better person or a very different person than I know I would have been for not uh, having had the opportunity for parenting this child. So, um, uh, you know, I think there's definite purpose to us all being here and what it is that we have to offer. Do you think there's a withdrawal because being present is is too difficult? It's painful. The world, let's face it. I mean, you said it earlier, Linda, yeah. the world hurts. Yeah. The world hurts. And we are buzzing and vibrating at such a high frequency as pertaining to our entire nervous system. Our senses and emotions are magnified. I said earlier, spidey sense, you know. And so the things that the average person filters out naturally, we're collecting like a sponge or a magnet all day long. And it's exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting, Bill. That's why I moved out to my ranch. I used to live in Beverly Hills. I couldn't take it. It was so much noise. And it wasn't just the car noise. You know, it was like that that emotional noise, which brings me to my the big question that I want to ask. Because when I had pneumonia, I was so sick. And my dog, Misty, sat by me all day long, you know, for like 10 straight days. One day she got so upset she threw up. And I... Can I make my dog sick? I'm not talking about transfer of like, you know, virus germ things. Yeah. We know that. But but like if I'm emotionally heart sick or depressed, does that make my dog sick too? 
it can depending upon the constitution of the dog. And, I mean, let's face it, dogs are a lot like people. Oftentimes they are a direct reflection of their owners, and some are nice and some are not so nice. And not every dog that I've met has wanted to talk to me. That's funny. (laughs) So they're persnickety, just like people. Well, you know, as I said, some are nice and some are not very nice at all. And, you know, it depends upon the environment in which they spend most of their time. But, yeah, I think that, you know, there are definitely dogs that are healers and there are definitely dogs that are empaths. And they desire to take on your pain and suffering uh, as their own. Yeah, I just wonder. Go ahead, Linda. I just think the best, I think one of the best things about an animal is that they just live in the moment. You know, right. and, and, and if we could learn just, just that, what, what a gift it would be because, you know, they, 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 she can be sleeping and then you want, and all of a sudden she wants to play. And then, I mean, it's, it's, she, they're just amazing that they just, they can switch on a dime and, and they're just living in that moment. It's, it's about now. <laughs> You're right. There's no past. There's no future. It's about now. Bill, we've got about two minutes to the end of the show. What, if anything, could you give to the world as your advice, recommendation, whatever, for people listening today that can help us elevate uh, humanity? Not too much pressure there. (laughs) Never, ever underestimate the power that you have right in this moment to forever alter the course of someone's life with a kind word, a gentle smile, and a thoughtful gesture. That's beautiful. Well, Bill, on behalf of the bullies who bullied you, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm grateful that you rose above it and you stayed true to yourself and became who you are so that you can help all of us understand things differently. Um, I think that's a great testament to the human spirit, and I thank you for that. Uh, We've been visiting today with William Stillman. He is the autism whisperer. He is the psychic visionary. He's the author of, I don't know, I think nine books something like that you're going to want to check him out at williamstillman.com now this is really important because we can talk about our animals we can talk about our children we can talk about all these things but the one thing that struck me about this show the most is that it doesn't cost anything to be kind to someone so go out today be kind to somebody make a difference have a very very wonderful week and we'll talk to you again next week We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent